Welcome to Sounding Board Parenting, creating healthier human connections through the commonality of parenting. Exploring the world of parenting with high-performing mums and dads from a range of backgrounds, industries and family dynamics. This week's guest is Jessica Turley, who believes the role she plays first and foremost in life is herself. Jessica is also a supportive wife to Ben, mother to Ava and Rob, a teacher, business owner and entrepreneur. Stay tuned to hear why Jessica believes there's a difference between being a business owner and being an entrepreneur. Let's jump in. Actually, I do enjoy, like I always thought, oh, I just want to be at home more. I want to do more at home. But I think I do spend enough time at home. So maybe I'm just not appreciating that at the time that I do spend, I'm not obviously present in the moment. Um, so because I'm actually feeling like, oh, I wish I could go out. And I don't think I had to go, I did a journaling piece on it actually on Tuesday, thinking that maybe it's just that whole thing of, oh, now I'm not allowed to have it. So, which comes back to when I was pregnant, you know, when you're not allowed to eat certain foods and then all of a sudden you want it more or if you're buying a new car and then you see it all the time and you want it. But this sort of thing is more the fact that I just didn't recognise that I actually do spend a lot of time at home and I do make the most of it. Maybe perhaps I'm not aware of it and appreciate it. So that's probably one of my most biggest things because I do love my home. I pride myself on my home. That's awesome. It's, so it's more funny. my loved ones are. It's, fu- well, it's, it's funny you mentioned the whole uh, pregnant thing. So my fiance, um, her name is actually Jessica as well. I, I call her yeah. Jeff. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and one of the things that stand out for me is the, the alcohol situation. It's, it's not so much mm-hmm. for big drinkers, but it was just that glass of red at the end of the day that yep. she just missed big time. And it would honestly yeah. get to the point where it'd just be the smell of it. Like it would honestly be the smell of like a glass of red it would just send her in, into into this different different realm because, like you said, there's there's so many things throughout that period that you got you guys have to um have to sacrifice, isn't Avoid it? Avoid things. Avoid. Yeah, it's time. all worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. totally. It's all, <laughs> all part of the journey. But um, it's part yeah. of the initiation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, all the other sacrifices that come after that as well. <laughs> it's crazy, hey. It's crazy. Thank you so yeah. much for um for making the time as well to to jump on and and have a chat and and explore explore your experiences as a parent as well i really appreciate it well i appreciate it and um you having me on and i look forward because amy i always i highly regard amy so when amy makes the connections or she mentions you know certain people i get really excited because um she's the type of person that if i'm at an event with her i'll be like can you just let me know what you think of this person or you know she's just really good at picking up people's vibes and um yeah so i was really excited when she connected us and then i just yeah and thank you once again for allowing me to have that time to research into your work because i don't like to just say yes to everything i like to make sure that i can be of like value as you know both ways sort of thing as well so i I just really appreciate it because some people when i do send and say, oh, look, you know, to be honest, I haven't looked. People take offence to it, but it's yeah. really not that I don't see. It's just that maybe I haven't come across it or had a chance to look into it. And I like to give the time back into, you know, I respect other people's work because I put so much into my own work. I want to show the same to others. So thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate that and, and totally respect that as well. I'm, I'm a big advocate of, of valuing your time as well and actually putting, uh, I suppose, real value on your own time I think like at the Mm. end of the day that comes back to channeling that energy um into things that truly matter to you as well and I think that's awesome like I I think that's proof 
of, oh, of the you. way that you value your time as well. So it's awesome to be able to um to make time and, and make this happen as well. So um, um did you... I might have kids come up though, so they might come in. So that's That's awesome. okay. I have I've got I've got Bluey blaring on the on the T V in, oh, in the room next door. Bluey. So <laughs> So we might, yeah, we might have a few visitors come through, but um, that's all good. It's, it's all part of it, isn't it? It was crazy. It was crazy last week. I, I was set up because we're actually set up um, with my in-laws um, or soon-to-be in-laws down in Bunbury. We actually got out of mm. Perth about a week ago before they um, they put in that regional oh, regional yeah. thing. We're, we're just like, we can work from home. We're, we're in an apartment up in Perth. They've got a nice yeah. big space down in Bunbury, like being the southwest, and with Oscar being two and a half, like just mm. peaking, peaking with his energy and and all that sort of stuff. It was just like let's just do it. So we've we've been down here for a week now, just working, working out oh, of the that's lovely out, out of their place and that too. So it's it's been cool. But last week it was crazy in the the podcast chat. It was um we had Oscar like running through. Next door, there was, I don't know, there was something happening in terms of like, they had like 10 kids over. I don't know why or how, but <laughs> it was just, I just, I just heard screaming and all this carry on and that sort of thing. So hopefully I've sort of soundproofed the room today. So it, it should come through a little bit, a little bit better, but it is what it is, isn't it? That's it. Totally. So what's the names and, and ages of your kids, Jessica? Um, so I have Ava, she's five and a half, so she'll be six in June. So I suppose she's a little bit over half, five and a half now. And I have Rob, who turned three in December. So I can totally, every time you mention Oscar in the two and, yeah, two and a half, yeah, I, I totally, I understand. Wow, so <laughs> you're like... out the other side. You're like, yeah, yeah, I, I might be coming to you for some short-term advice, I reckon, because how, how quick does it change? Like, it's... Yeah. It's, it's amazing, though. Yeah. Like it is really Three-year-olds cool. are even, yes, once they get, see, you know how they always say about the two-year-olds, three-year-olds are the thing that you have to watch out for, three, the really? age of three. So you're coming into, you're just starting the, the beginning of it. It's what unreal. Am, what am I looking out for, do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> well, please, give me some advice. I need something. Well, it's just, oh, gee, I still need advice from someone as well, but... Um, I think the biggest thing is just, and I, I don't know, maybe perhaps it's the boy and girl thing as well, because I think boys process emotions differently to girls. Um, so I think for boys, this is their concrete stage of where they're laying down their foundations for their emotions. So it's really, I think, early on, like start with Oscar, and you've probably already done it anyway, but really getting them to name the emotion, like um, because there's a lot of confusion, right? So they might be really angry. And then they're not able to say that. And then they're just saying, I'm happy, I'm happy. And you're like, well, no, clearly you're not. This is called angry. So trying to show them and naming and linking the emotions because you want that vocabulary and that understanding for when they do go through the stage where the emotions are like they can switch. They seem like they're bipolar. Um, they can switch in a second or a matter of minutes. You know how like even now you might have already made the mistake of getting the green plate when you really wanted the blue plate but you did not make that connection or read his mind. <laughs> so um, you want to yeah, give him the vocabulary for his emotions of why did that make you feel the way it made you feel? And then because what they end up doing is they're linking all the stimulus, right, or all the stimuli to all these different events. So 
if one thing happens and it happened already before, they're already remembering, well, last time this happened, this is how I felt. And they just automatically go to that response. So it's like the same emotional overload response, but it might be different now because they've actually learned how to cope with it. They can realize that, oh, hang on a second, you can actually go and change the plate or they can go and change the plate themselves. So yeah, it's really putting the emotional intelligence or knowing, knowing the different emotions and how that makes them feel and what they can do about it. So now for my little man, I can say to him like, oh, so how are you feeling right now? And I'm really angry in this moment. And then I'll be like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? And then he'll be like, I'm just going to need to go and punch something. And I know that seems really extreme, but why not? So he goes and goes into his pillow. He's got like a pillow mattress and you'll just give it a few punches. And then he'll come out and goes, okay, I'm really well. I'm really going well now. Thank you, mummy. So it's just giving them those little cool. things so they can link to the emotion and then what can they do about it? So I don't obviously advocate violence, but I think even for myself, sometimes I just want that physical outlet and that might be exercise, whereas we can't get to that stage just yet. Can't say to him, just do like five burpees or something <laughs> and then you'll be all right. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, like, I don't know if that's helpful. I just think it's important. Totally. Like it's something I actually admire about like Oscar's age and Rob's age, like, the ability to morph their, or I suppose morph into different emotions and states of being like from second Mm. to second, like in a lot of ways, I think it scares us as adults because we're about control and there's this rigid sort of framework to how we are now naturally from conditioning. Mm -hmm. And it, it scares us that we see this raw emotional being in front of us and we feel like, like for me, like this switch happens every time I see something like that, I need to control it. I need to um, suppress it. Like, but it's trying to retrain myself in terms of allowing him to be. And in the first episode that we we released with Cameron Schwab, he actually mentioned something that I think relates to this really well in, Mm. in his father, actually, when Cam would ask his father, when he was a child questions, he actually said his dad had an awesome trait of always answering his question with another question in terms of this isn't to do with the emotions as such, but it just popped up for some reason around creating that, that personal or that being that is just naturally curious as well. And like you said, Mm. willing to go and change that mindset of, Oh, mummy and daddy will do it for me or get it for me Mm. into I'm going to go and have a look for myself or I'm going to have a think about this for a second myself. Like it naturally develops into that. And it's amazing. Like those little, I suppose those little traits can, can be so, um, they can be so evolutionary or they can be so detrimental depending on on how they, they go down in, but that zero to five. I'm still I'm reading up a lot on 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 it at the moment. It's it's huge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I think I only have appreciated how huge it is now that my daughter's on the other side of five. Um, and then you can see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. But also just like understanding that it's okay not to know as well, and understand it, and allow them to take on some of the responsibility. Because I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned was that I was putting so much pressure on myself, especially being a teacher. Like I felt like I would have all the answers that I knew what to do and then not realising that majority of my teaching career has been in upper primary. So there's a lot of a big jump from zero to like 10. Totally. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) 
So um, there was that element of me going, oh, okay, well, maybe I don't know. So what can I apply or what am I sort of forward planning for? And then you can, like you mentioned before, it's almost like that automatic response is to be controlling in that situation. If I do X, Y, and Z, then this will happen or um, this is what the traits she'll demonstrate or show. Or a big one for me was um, I really wanted to get in a lot of the values and the personal family traditions and things like that until she had the age of eight. Like I was even joking around with my husband going, right, we've got eight years. We've got to like pump all this stuff into her before she gets to eight. And then we can just trust and have faith that she's going to make the right decisions. And um, I think as soon as I released all that, um, it was a lot easier. And I think that was because we transitioned from her being with me all the time to then going to kindy. And then realising that she is entering into the system, which I know I work in as well, but there are certain elements that work really well and there's other elements that I feel like um, takes away from things. Like, yeah, I suppose when you were talking about it can either evolve or we can go the other way. Um, so, yeah, releasing that control and allowing them to have their little bit of the journey and understanding that might part of us, you know, they say our children choose us, that's part of our journey as well. So... I can see the difference now being on the other side of five. Um, and then that's also helping me um, work with Rob, I suppose, and work collaboratively with him on his journey rather than trying to say, let's turn this way because it doesn't work at times, does it? <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Like, but it's, it's our default, isn't it? And that's what I'm interested mm. in. Like, it's like our default is to tell them, tell them not to work with them. It's, it's really cool, like that whole age of like Oscar right now, like between two and three is, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing, is going through that development in terms of neurologically as well where like mm. that realisation that mum and dad are no longer, they're actually not a part of me because beforehand yeah. it was like we were a physical part of them, like another limb, like we are a third leg to twins. Exactly. Yeah. And now like they're mm. going through that realisation However, they're going through that realisation but still wanting or let, let's put it differently. They're going through that realisation. However, they still know that they depend on us. So it's that like, okay, they're not actually a physical part of me. However, I still depend on them for this, this and this. And that's, that's that teething sort of period, isn't it, where they're just like their emotions are all over the place because it, it would just be confusing. Like even I just think of that and I'm like, that would, that would put, put you through a lot of stress. Not saying that that stress is detrimental. It's actually no, beneficial, yeah. obviously in mm. terms of their development. It's, it's crazy. It's almost like a, a, a business interaction becomes part of it all because the exchange, like the currency is emotional um so they're relying on you to organize their emotions for you and explain them and teach them to them however at the same time you've got to be careful with how you share that currency because if you're doing that for them all the time then it's going to become harder and harder and more costly eventually um whereas if you can hold back of how much you're going to pay them with that emotional organization then and put it back on them then slowly they're going to be able to take that on and then those um, highly emotional responses will then reduce. And then I think I see that you can see that when as kids get older, when I'm working with the kids in the primary school setting, you can see the ones where the parents have taken the time to explain what is going on in their lives or what's happening, especially in the last couple of weeks as well. You can really see the different parenting styles come out with when there is a big um, 
like what do we call it with this pandemic but when there's a big emotional response going around with what's happening on a global basis and you can see the difference between how much preparation children and i want to say students in this sort of regard but how much preparation they've had with their organization like organizing their own emotions as opposed to someone doing it for them or someone telling them how they should feel rather than actually checking in and go well how do you feel and what can you do about it that's awesome what what roles do you see yourself playing in life um, well, so I always used to be able to rattle this off, right? You know, especially when you enter into business, they want you to do the elevator pitch and everything like that. But the, the roles that I play in right life to begin with is first me, I'm me. And then I am a wife. So my husband, Ben, is very supportive of me as I am supportive of him. But because I am a go-getter and want to get things, a lot of things done, um, I suppose he has to be very patient. And I think there's also, I'm giving credit to those that marry teachers as well because that takes a certain type of person. Um, I am, of course, a mum to Ava and Rob. And then um, closely followed by I'm also a teacher and then a business owner. And then I like to separate business owner for, to entrepreneur as well because I think there's a certain creative side outside of being a business owner and running a company. And then, yeah, like I said, it all comes back and starts with me. So they're all the different roles I play in life. It's fun. I do enjoy it. (laughs) That's really cool. In terms of what you just said around the difference between a business owner and entrepreneur, Mm. could you expand on that a bit, that creativity side that you talked about? Yeah, and I think it's also the new way of thinking now of how traditionally business ran as opposed to what is available to us now. But in terms of creativity, Um, business owner is the hat that you have to put on when it comes to the things that perhaps are not in your zone of genius or the things that you in like don't enjoy as much now I do love money obviously but the organization behind how to get to the money I find that I it's very I don't like it in the sense of what type of person I've not become but that's when my ego tends to step in a little bit more so that fear-based approach because we all want business to go really well and in order for it to go well somehow we like map it across how much money you're earning because of course you need the money to come in for it to keep going around so then you can serve more people I don't like being on that hamster wheel at all so when I put my business owner hat on that is when I'm focusing on making sure all my zero is up to date looking at my marketing strategies, looking at all those things to be able to cast the net out to the people that I can potentially serve or add value to. And then I like stepping into my entrepreneur hat where that is all about the creative side of the content, the value, um, the products, the services, the, the actual work you're doing with people, the connecting on social media, the running of the Facebook groups and so on. So that's how I distinguish between the two. And I had to separate, it took me a while um, to separate and realise, I suppose, allocating times to those two as well, but then also having a new appreciation between what the business owner needs and does as opposed to the entrepreneur and how they can fly and enjoy it. And, yeah, I think that's where I'll leave it. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned putting time into to those two different roles it's almost like you could take that on a bigger scale with life in general, couldn't you, in terms of especially yeah. once you become a parent. Mm. Yep. Personally, <laughs> that, that ongoing challenge of finding the time to blend in family life, work life, personal life, creator, learner, son, mm. brother, it's, I mean, the list can go on. 
have you found that a challenge throughout your time yes. as being a parent too? Yeah, definitely. Because I, I've always wanted to be a mum. So before I even decided what I was going to do, I think I've always wanted to be a teacher as well. But, you know, I've always, and I suppose this comes back to what your parents sort of um, perceive the way or the roadmap or this is what you do, or I somehow picked it up along the way. Basically, you finish school, you go to uni, you get your degree, you get your job, you meet the guy, you get married and you have kids. And that was basically like it was the end of the story, right? So one of my most profound moments was when I looked back and I had I ticked all those boxes and now I've had Ava, which was the most beautiful thing in itself. But then I was like, well, what's next? Because my roadmap ended there, right? <laughs> so then it's almost like I had to create all those roles, all those hats again, because what does it mean? And I suppose being the most, the profound moment was when I, when I became a mum was to realise that it was like that was my own awakening in the sense because before all that, everything that I was doing leading up to it, was I doing it for me or was I doing it because of external factors? Whereas when I became a mum, all of a sudden I was like, well, there's no other external factors to tell me what to do now. I'm the person that has to do it. And I'm now setting up her roadmap almost as well. So let's look into this a little bit deeper and unpack it all. And then what roles am I playing? So it's almost like I had to recreate, okay, well, I actually am a daughter still. And obviously I'm really lucky that I have my mum and my mother-in-law. So I'm also a daughter-in-law and they're going to come over more often now. So what are, what are my interactions there and what am I doing? Whereas before it was sort of like we were just left to do what we were doing, um, as in Ben and I, our life. Um, then all of a sudden you've got your friends. Now my friends didn't have kids at the same time as me either. So it was hard to explain to them that, no, I can't necessarily come out on a weeknight anymore or the weekend. I really just want to be able to spend time with Ava and Ben and we're doing our family things now because I really want to put into these like moments of like tradition on the weekend. Like we do family day on Sunday or we have family night Saturday night, even though she was just a newborn baby and not necessarily knowing what's going on. Um, so the friendship groups sort of changed. Well, not changed, but it, the dynamics changed, I suppose. Then you go to being on maternity leave and then going back into the workforce. And that was a total whole ball game as well because I'd gone from being a full-time teacher, reaching like career highs and things. One of the, um, so I don't know if you're aware, but with teachers, you can go down a path of becoming a level three teacher, which is quite a lengthy pro process. And it's a portfolio-based um, one where you've got a right to certain criteria and have all the evidence that's put behind it. And it's quite like not everyone does it because we all know it's a really hard process to go through. And I got through it. And the morning that I woke up, you've got to do like a second stage where you present. And I love presenting. So I wasn't so I already passed stage one. Stage two to me was of my like, most like exciting bit that was that's a bit that I could do easily but yeah. I woke up that morning and I threw up and I threw up and I thought oh maybe I am a little bit anxious and nervous but I'll shake it all off and I'll go in there and do my Jessica thing and um get my level three and get it finished and then that afternoon dad had picked me up um he dropped me off and picked me up and um he took me to Kayla's brothers in Leaderville and normally the smell of seafood is like the most exciting thing to me because it brings up all these memories where dad used to take us down to Cicerello's in Fremantle. And um, the smell absolutely made me, I was like about to say, dad, no, I can't eat in here. And then I thought, oh, hang on a second, maybe I'm pregnant. 
and I didn't want to say anything yet because I hadn't obviously done the test or anything. And then um, sitting down, just had, you know, my normal fish and chips or whatever. And then I got home and then did the test and found out that I was pregnant. And it was at that moment that I realised that it was almost like I was transitioning from career high to now I'm going to be a mum. So once I'd been on maternity leave and then I entered back into the workforce, no longer could I go for my choice was not to go back five days a week. And I thought at this point, because I'd been teaching for like seven years or something, God, this might be lovely because I don't have to work five days a week. And I'm very lucky in my school setting where I could go back for two. And then when we looked after, um, so for Ava, she would get looked after by my mum and my mother-in-law on one day each. So they get this lovely time with, my, like with Ava, with their granddaughter. Ava gets this lovely time with their nanas, um, with her nanas, sorry. And everything would be all good. But then, of course, entering back into the workforce, I automatically went back into what I would have been pre-baby, pre-Ava, um, pre-being a parent, and I just wanted to dominate and just go for the career highs again. But I was only there for two days. And then you, um, you realise that you don't have the relationship that you normally have with the students when you're with, with them five days a week. You're sharing that relationship with someone else. And then that brings on the whole different dynamics of working with someone else rather than just being the one and the only in the classroom. So those sorts of hats all came into play as well because now I'm not only a parent but I'm also a teacher but I'm not a fully-fledged teacher. I'm a part-time teacher. Um, can you hear my voice already getting croaky with it? Totally. As I talk about it? Totally, yeah. yeah. So this is um, something that I'm still, um, I suppose I was... I've accepted it a lot more now because um, I've obviously been doing it for five years now that I was five years old. Um, but that guilt between being a mum at work and then a mum at home and when you're at work, you want to give 100% to your job and especially as a teacher, you want to give 100%. And look, by all means, I definitely give 100%. I just don't feel like I'm giving my full self because obviously I'm there. I now work three days a week. Three days a week, I give my all and then I come home. But then there's also that element of when the kids are sick, you want to be at home with them because they're sick um, and you want to be giving 100% at home. So last year was my big defining moment, the whole year where I was able to balance all things um, because the, the not the threat, but my husband did sort of say, look, something's got to give because if you're going to be running a business, doing all your creative stuff on the side, um, serving other people, and want to run your household the way you want to run it um, and be a teacher and obviously be the best mum you want to be, like something's got to give sort of thing. And I was like, no, 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 I can work this, I can work this because I feel like um, a lot of the time people expect you to pick which one you are and I don't think you have to pick which one you want to like be. I think you can be all of them and you can feed them all in because they're all the different parts that you play. So you can allocate them almost like little buckets, right? So if you can allocate a bucket to each of them and work out what you want. And I know we were talking about boundaries before and identifying the different boundaries you have for every, every bucket and then fill those buckets accordingly. Um, I think as a whole that makes me feel because I'm no longer wanting to search for more because I feel like I'm giving enough. And before that I was searching for more. So that's what I'm, I suppose that's made a little bit of come back to my awakening moment when I, became a mum of all um, in the beginning because the roadmap seemed to stop and then I had to create my own. What are you feeling right now reflecting on, on that journey? 
pretty excited. Go me, hey, go me. Um, that's awesome. And that's no, it, it is awesome, and and it's no. I, I think it's something that that is becoming or has become more common. Like for example, mm. my my partner Jess has gone through some very similar experiences as well, and and it's something not only I hear from her, but I hear from friends and and family as well that this ongoing challenge to find a blend i see it as a blend not a balance between all those roles i don't mm, think you can actually find that's a balance a nice word, yeah. i see it all blending together and just from what i i heard from you then that that challenge all at once in terms of like you said from that career high to then yeah. <laughs> also being the story behind you finding out you're going to be a mum for the first time it's amazing. It's really cool. It all happened. I, I appreciate you sharing that with me. What are some of the well, biggest parenting? What are some of the biggest parenting joys that come to mind for for yourself? Oh, oh. all right. So, well, I know I'm going to sound. No, it's not even a cliche. But I love waking up every morning. Like, so first of all, I must put out the thing that my kids have always slept. So even as babies, they've always been really good sleepers. Um, so their wake up is generally seven o'clock and above. So even for this morning, I had to almost wake them up because we're getting to the point of like, I need sorry, I forgot to put my phone on. Um, it just rang then and I forgot to put it on. Do not disturb. Um, so the first thing I love in the morning, the joy is waking up and seeing their faces. So when you go from being newborn bubbers, you know, pulling their faces at you first thing in the morning, the joy on their face for them to see you first thing, I absolutely love that. And I think that's continued on as well. I've always been one of those people as well that um, have enjoyed getting up in the middle of the night to breastfeed because I would make it a ritual where um, I wouldn't sit in front of the TV and never had my phone on me either because that, I think, is such an important time to be able to be, like, you're the one that has to get up in the middle of the night to sit there and feed. Um, and I would always take, like, whoever it was over a while, you know, when they were going through their different journeys, um, and would go into their, what would be their bedroom eventually once they leave, like, left our room. Um, and just have that time in silence and sit there with them and also be my thought and things like that. So those things, those moments where you're spending it with them and you're the first to see them, that is pure joy for me. Um, I always love a good tickle and a good cuddle and a good little like rollabout sort of thing, especially with Rob. I try and be a little bit more like play fighty with him. I do it with Ava as well now, but I think um, instinctively it was a lot easier to do with Rob. Um, they so need that's it, don't they? They so need it. They so need it. And just for, I think, doing it with someone that's doing it safely with them as well, it's just so important. Um, and then it just comes back to, like, I, like, I've always loved my birthday, but it is so much better when you have, like, little ones around you singing happy birthday and getting so excited for you. Um, Christmases and even coming up to Easter and things like that. But that's because I enjoyed those, obviously, when I was younger. But to live it through their eyes and see it. Like we just went on this beautiful holiday at the end of last year um, on a cruise ship, may I add, but we've been on cruises before. Um, Where did you go? But, uh, to Vanuatu in New Caledonia. 
So island awesome. hopping, you know, it was just beautiful. And um, we had done it before, but we had done it previously with our kids. So we knew this would be different with kids. Um, but just living through their experiences for the first time. So Ava had been on a cruise to New Zealand when she was two and a half, but she can't remember that. Whereas this time Rob was three. So he, like, he's still talking about it now. Um, so we're hoping that continues on and he can sort of remember it as well. But um, those sorts of things, putting those life experiences or opportunities in front of them and then like living, it's not living through. I don't like to say that because then I picture myself putting Ava on a netball court and yelling at her, which I do not want to do. So it's not living through, it's just seeing it through their eyes when they go through these experiences for the first time. And that's what brings me joy. So whether um, like with me doing some homeschooling when I'm not at work at the moment, like just putting these learning experiences in front of her, like I can, that just is pure joy for me because you can see those light bulb moments and things. So when I take that teacher hat off and we're playing outside or we're going to the playground and and I've taught her how to climb up something in a certain way or I've shown her and not necessarily taught her, but she's been watching me. So then all of a sudden she does it. Um, That's those pure moments of joy as well. So, yeah, when you direct them, I suppose, or when you're leading by example, I like to say, um, yeah, they bring out lots of moments of joy. That's awesome. And and what are some of the the challenges that come to mind that you faced as a parent in your journey? Well, I'm going to, can I use that word blend now? I really like that. (laughs) Are you going to trademark that term? Feel free. Um, So... (laughs) Thank you. So, because, yeah, I've always spoken about it as balance, but I do agree with you that blend seems a lot more um, achievable or it's just a nicer term to talk about it. Um, Mum guilt comes into play a lot where you feel like you're not doing enough or, um, like, I don't know, you're just not, it's not ticking boxes, but... The challenge comes when you feel like you're letting them down or you're not there for them the way that you want to be there for them. But that you've got to remember that most of the time that's on like your own perception of it. It's not on them. Um, so that's when you've got to actually look at yourself and go, well, why do you feel that what's happening there? So I suppose that's where the coaching comes out in it all. But um, the, the challenge is when you have to make the decision between, well, what am I doing right now? Am I... Am I the teacher? Am I the business owner? Am I the entrepreneur? I'm, you know, distinguishing between all those roles. Um, The other challenging thing for me was the letting go. So with Ava early on, obviously I had that time when you have that one child to begin with of, um, you know, like having all these certain activities set up or all these sort of moments you want to share with her. And then realising that, okay, well, now you've got to give her the opportunity to be a little bit more independent with it all because you want it to be set up the best you can going into the school system. So um, it was challenging for me when she started kindy because I knew that although um, she is mentally ready and obviously physically ready, um, emotionally perhaps not and I felt like that was because of me because I held her back um, and not realising how much I did because of that protection mode. So simple sort of thing to explain is that um, she, when she went to go and jump into the sandpit, she would actually sit down on the edge of the sandpit, put her hands to the side and slide in, right? 
Now, that's a classic move we do to enter the pool when we're doing swimming lessons is to sit down, put your hands to the side and slip on in, right? And she was doing this. Now, for me, I was actually like, good girl, well done, because we're not teaching you to jump in willy-nilly. You're getting in there safely and then you're giving her to go and play. But apparently I was holding her back um, from her development, not allowing her to jump into the stamp here, right? Now, me, I had to go, right, am I listening from a point of view as a teacher or am I listening as a point of view as a mum? As a teacher, I was like, oh, okay, I can handle that. As a mum, that really hurt. So that was a big challenge. Um, the other one was climbing up a slide, right? Do you let Oscar climb up a slide? I love watching it. It's awesome. There's okay. been multiple well, tears, but it's still awesome to watch. Yeah, so I, for me, and also for Ben, we were like, you don't climb up slides because that is for coming down. That is when you go down. And if you climb up, then the people that want to come down can't come down. But we never looked at it at the point of view of, but look at all the development, like the gross motor skills um, she would develop. So like Oscar's developing, trying to get up there, plus the resilience of if he can't make it and, you know, all the strength and and all that, yeah. So we didn't see all that, but we held her back from that, right? So then all of a sudden being told Sorry. that and, yeah. Could, it, could, yeah. I, could I jump in? Do you think, like, because yeah. I just had a thought and I've been thinking about this and talking about this a lot with Jess lately in terms yeah. of, so you mentioned before, like, am I, am I coming from a mother point of view? Am I coming from a teacher mm. point of view? I've started thinking about it lately as if am I coming from a parent point of view in terms of Oscar or am I coming up, coming coming to it from a parenting point of view for my inner child? Because it was interesting mm. how you mentioned around slides are for going down, not for going yeah. up. And, I mean, where did you learn that? You learned that as a child, didn't you? In terms of like that's where I, you I learned. actually think it- do you think well, it's from... I actually don't know. I think it's from being a teacher, but yeah. I do agree with you on the inner child thing because I also think that's really interesting. So we'll come back to that. I just think that was from a teacher point of view because when you're on duty, like you've got tw- like 20, 30, 40 kids and they're all going down, what, one or two slides and then you always get the one kid that wants to climb up it. So what do you automatically say? Don't climb up it because you've got others coming down. But well, I because do that's what you experienced you. a fair bit. <laughs> Yes, probably. But I do agree with you is um, because how often, well, I don't, so for me, um, I will say things and I go, wow, I just sounded like my dad. Like, oh, I just sounded like my mum. And you're right because it's almost like I'm setting up those things that perhaps the things that I did enjoy when I was a child and the way that my parents parented me, I would do definitely, I'd bring forward in my parenting the things that I perhaps didn't like or felt like they didn't do, I then also bring forward and do for Ava and Rob. It's just that Ava's that little bit older and I suppose she's my, um, she's not my guinea pig, but she was like, she's my first one. So experimenting and so on. So um, so a big one is um, when I was in high school, I was not the nicest person by any means. And I still am doing a lot of forgiveness work over that and a lot of healing. And I still, I remember asking mum, I was like, why did you not tell me or why did you not talk to me or why didn't you, like, why didn't you explain to me what was going on? And then she goes, if I did, would you have listened? And then I was like, how to think about it. And I was like, look, you know, I can't go back and work if, if I could listen or not. And I probably wouldn't have listened, right, whether it's hormonal or whether it's because 
just the type of person I was at that stage with my developmental sort of whatever happens at that time. We'll get to that. Hey, we'll get to that in a few more years with our kids. But coming back to it was I can't remember whether I had time with mum and dad and had an opportunity to talk with them one-on-one about what's happening in my life or what I'm going through or what experiences I'm, you know, like what am I dealing with, I suppose. And not because of any fault of theirs by any means, but I also had two brothers and a sister. So the gap between myself and my sister is seven years and my two brothers are in between. And it was busy. It was busy at home. And I've always been, um, so I'm a Virgo and I'm a type A personality, plus being the eldest in the family. I was always the one that could just get on with it and do it, right? So I was always able to do what I wanted to do because I was a good girl as such. If we just go good girl like that, but um, I was always able to just get on with it and do it. So then all of a sudden, once I was entering into this new hormonal stage in that, obviously they just kept doing what they were doing with letting me um, just get on with it and do what I needed to do. Coming back to it as parenting my own inner child, I wish that I had those opportunities where I could sit down and have a conversation with my parents. So I do that very regularly with Ava and Rob. So I do think you're onto something there about how we parent. Are we parenting for our child as their own child or are we parenting for our own inner child? Because I've created that space to ensure Um, And like I was speaking about before, I really wanted to make sure I packed in all those values by the time they got like get to eight, because I feel like after that, that's when they're experimenting a little bit more and drawing upon different things. So that would come back to the fact that maybe perhaps I felt like my inner child didn't get that. So yeah, I think you're onto something there. That'd be really interesting. The more people you interview, um, bringing that forward and and, yeah, exploring that a little bit more. Totally. It's that, it's that simple question I've been asking myself, is this for Oscar or is this for me? Is this for the inner, mm. inner Sean? Is this for the, the, the inner child of, of Sean? And, and it's something, I'll be honest, it has put me on my ass several times now in terms of yeah. like this isn't serving Oscar. So then the next question, why am I doing it then? And that's where it, it usually leads then to. Then you've got to do your work. Totally, yeah. If you want to become a better parent, become a better person first, I think. And it's just ongoing. Like, to be honest, I've got a lot of friends in in the personal development space and there hasn't been one program, one thing that they've talked about or that I've done that has even come close to the personal development that parenting puts you you through. That journey in itself is... Mm. And and you were talking before, and I'd love to dive into this now as well, do you see there being a correlation between parenting and business in terms of leadership as well? Can you repeat that again for me just so I can dive Yeah, sure. It. So do you see there Thanks. being a, a correlation between parenting and being a leader in the workplace, leadership in business? Mm. I'm going to personally, just for me, I think, because I think there can be, but for me personally, no, only because I've always demonstrated leadership roles um, and I'm still, I'm actually, this is something that I have to work on at the moment is when I'm not a leader, I I need to learn how to, um, I struggle when I'm not the person in charge. Look, I can take orders and I can do and listen. 
but I still feel like I need to be the leader. If I'm not the leader, then I'm like an all or nothing. And I know that's a fault. So I need to work on that. So in terms of leading from a business point of view, the reason why I started my business. Um, so before I started my actual company, I did the network marketing thing. So when Ava was born, I was at home. I felt like I had the whole mum thing under control, the household, like the house was, the home was like all nice and clean and organised and I felt like I needed something more for myself to stimulate my mind. I hadn't, and that's probably when I started my personal development journey. So if I can give one piece of advice before um, people become parents is to start your personal development journey beforehand, which I think a lot of this generation coming through anyway is definitely doing, so that's great. Um, but my personal development journey started because I was up in the middle of the night and had extra thinking time um, and realising and, you know, you're in charge of someone else. Well, not in charge, but you're, you are um, responsible for someone else now. So the personal development journey then led me to I want to give more or I want to do more. And then there was that element of I need to in, earn an extra income because I now want to stay at home more. Um, so I went network marketing and that fed me for a little bit, but then also it was enough for me to realize that's not exactly what I wanted to do. So then I took a step back and took that extra day teaching. So that's where my leadership came through more then. And then I took a year off when I was on maternity leave with Rob because I really wanted to immerse myself in the mum. Um, cause I knew that I was only going to have the two children. Um, so I really wanted to in, in, um, immerse myself in having like a mummy year, thinking that I would get it all out of my system and do what I needed to do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but anyway, that's how I felt. Um, so I had this whole year, but that year ended up being more about me and my personal development because I wanted to become a certain mum for Ava and Rob as now this was my family that I had formed and this is what, you know, this is we're going to be together for the rest of our lives sort of thing. Um, and then at the end of that year, that's when I launched my company. So the... I What's the name then, of your company? Lead and Inspire. Lead by example awesome. and then you're inspiring others at the same time. It was more focused on teacher wellbeing. It's now evolved into more over the years, but um, that's the initial stages of Lead and Inspire. And so, yeah, I suppose I am talking around in circles now, but the leadership wanted to come out then because... I wanted more for myself because if I was giving more myself, I was then leading by a better example for my children. And I wanted Ava and Rob to realize that you can do whatever you put your mind to. Like you can explore what you're passionate about or you can, um, like one of the littlest things was that I really love presenting and running workshops. And I felt like I wasn't giving, getting enough opportunity to do that as a teacher so therefore I created my company so then I could present as much as I wanted to or put together as many workshops as I wanted to. So I wanted to show the kids that no matter what your interest is, you can explore. So I suppose there is some correlation between when you lead your company because you're creating your company of what you want for yourself but then also what you can show what is, like what is possible or what your children are capable for, like they can do. You know what Does I love about in a roundabout way. <laughs> oh, it, it answers in your way, and that's all I'm asking for. So <laughs> it's it's something. You, Sorry to you, the listeners. <laughs> you mentioned before. You mentioned before around something I picked up from your journey. Just how you're explaining it is that you've never identified with one role 100 no. fully, as in this is is me, and it's yeah. something I respect and admire a lot. 
because I think it's a challenge that's faced a lot in life, not only in the parenting sense, but just in general, because I believe if you identify 100% with one role, that's going to lead to neglect of others Mm. as well. And almost a lack of fulfillment. And it's something that I faced in my early journeys as a parent as well, both Jess and and I did. And and it's something I, I see in older generations as well, where the dynamics were completely Mm. different too. And I suppose following on from that, what parenting did you experience through your childhood? Yeah. And yeah, definitely connecting to what you just sort of brought forward there is my mum. I love her to bits, but she gave her whole complete self to us. So she stopped working when she had me. She stopped, I think she played netball for like maybe a year or a couple of years after, but I can't remember. So I can't remember her playing it. So she would have stopped her sport as well, whether that was because of me or injury or because we moved around in the country. Um, Dad was a bank manager, so he was going from different, um, yeah, different banks in the in the country area. Um, and then I remember mum, when we were at school, like mum did like home daycare or she started um, like a clothing line for children or she did like a childcare study course so she could open up as childcare in the local town. And she always had projects on the go. And I really respect her for that as well because she still had my sister at home. Um, and that's really busy. I suppose well, now that when you come back and you go through it and you have it yourself, like the amount of times we've said to mum, oh, my God, mum, I love you so much. Thank you so much for everything you did. Um, I didn't, I took it all for granted. Um, so, yeah, all. the parent, yeah. So that, so with, with that is I saw my mum, you know, like she wouldn't buy clothes for herself um, because we obviously had the clothes and you don't see that when you're going through it. But now that I reflect back on it and look, that's still my own perception as well. Like I'm sure if I asked my mum, why didn't you buy clothes? She probably would have had a totally different reason. And it might be something like she didn't want to go to the shops or she didn't like trying on clothes or, you know, she might have her own personal reason. But for me, my perception would have been like, because she won't buy clothes because she needs to buy it for herself. Or she might've even said it once, you know how we pick up these one liners we not realize and it imprints on us. Um, so you've gone from that dynamic of mum being at home and then dad, dad's the one that goes to work, right? And dad's the one that's earning the money. And when dad gets home and he's tired at the end of the day, you've got to leave dad alone because he needs to unwind, let him read the newspaper and things like, um, so when we moved back to the city, those dynamics changed a little bit because I think dad must've had a different, um, recognition at work. So therefore he was probably a lot happier when he was at home. Plus they'd built their dream house in Bullsbrook. So that's what they wanted on the five acre block. Um, And then mum was able to enter back into the workforce because my sister was now at school. So the change in mum, she was working at the canteen at school, but she was obviously able to now provide that extra income coming in then seeing mum then enter into our workforce, that workforce that was outside of us, she got to get back into banking, which is where she was before she had me. Um, and she's still there to this day as well. So um, my type of parenting was obviously full of love and all these experiences, but I think a lot of sacrifice. And as a result, what I wanted to make sure of, um, and not by any... Like it wasn't that it was bad because they did it in the best way they could. Um, But I didn't want to sacrifice myself. And then I had to deal with the fact that it wasn't me being selfish. It was more the fact that I didn't want Ava as a black girl 
this is before I had Rob as well. So I don't want to neglect Rob's needs either. But Ava, as a girl, I didn't want her to not buy clothes for herself or not look after herself in certain ways. Like I don't remember mum, like mum wouldn't go to the hairdresser. She'd do her own hair, um, you know, at home and things like that. Like I wanted, cause I loved her so much. I wanted her to be able to experience all those experiences um, to show love for herself. Now she might not have, I know I'm talking around the circles, but she might not have wanted to do it because she didn't enjoy it. Just because I think going to the hairdresser is a great way to show self-love might not have been, or self-care might not have necessarily been the way that she would see it or feel it. But for me, I want to show Ava that if I um, do those certain things, she can also like, it's almost giving her permission to find those things that give her that feeling. So um, the other thing that brings to mind that I want to mention as well is mum never wanted to be in photographs with us. Um, I don't know if that's just a common thing across the board, but I make sure that I'm in a lot of photographs and I'm very careful of what I say around the conversation about, oh, no, no, I don't feel like having a photograph or I don't look good at the moment or I don't have makeup on or I don't, I don't want to come up with all those excuses or I don't want to say those thoughts in my head out loud because I don't want Ava to take them on. Um, going into the change room is another one as well. Like when I'm in the change room, um, trying on different clothes, like I want those to be the talk, even though I might be beating myself up inside my head, I never say it out loud in front of Ava because I don't want her to have that dialogue. And I think perhaps that's obviously come from somewhere. Um, so um, I just had a breakthrough moment then because I do remember things that, yeah, it's obviously come from somewhere. So I don't want to be doing that for Ava necessarily. So just coming back to what your question was there, my, what I was, how I was parented was obviously with a lot of love. There was a lot of teachings and a lot of tradition as well, like family togetherness. And um, like we would always have family ventures together. We always did things as a family, even as a teenager on Friday and Saturday nights, I never went out to parties until like year 11 and 12. Um, because, and even then, um, my parents would always either go out for dinner or go to the movies. They always did something where they would say, would you like to join us? And gave us the opportunity. And then quite often, because we enjoyed always spending that family time with them, I didn't want to go to the parties because I'd rather go out for dinner with my parents. So um, there was lots of those sorts of opportunities, even going to the football games with dad. Like I didn't want to go out on weekends necessarily because I had the Eagles game on and that was when I got to go with dad and spend time with dad. Um, but Sounds like there was a, also a tight um, family unit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what I've brought forward definitely with our family now. Um, yeah. And then I suppose there was a little bit of free range as well. I've got my first visitor. So we're obviously coming to the end of the time as well. Um, yeah. So um, a little bit of free range and a lot of trust. So free range, meaning that they trusted the fact that we would make the right decisions um, and do the right things. And I, now I'm supposed I'm speaking on behalf of my siblings, which I really shouldn't do. So for myself, I felt like I had a lot of opportunity to do things um, and that dad and mum would always be there for us, whatever happened, and a lot of trust in the fact that we would make the right decisions. Uh, is that little Rob? This is Rob. Say hi, Sean. Hey, Rob. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Enjoying mum being home, I bet. <laughs> I won't. Yeah. I won't hold you up too much longer, Jessica. But I just <laughs> no, wanted right. to. Um, I just wanted to, to finish off with a couple of questions. The the first being, if you could go back in time to your pre-parent self with one piece of advice, 
what would it be? Start your personal development journey now. <laughs> awesome. Start getting to know yourself properly now. Do all the work now. <laughs> Not all the work, but get started. What do you love about parenting? Um, these little faces. Hey. Um, I love, I, well, just this is what's just coming down to now. Obviously, I had prepped before, but what I do love is the fact that I am contributing to the community and to this world in a different way because these children are obviously the next generation coming through and I have the ability to sort of guide their light or to help them light their own lights so then they can bring into the world whatever they're here to do. Um, so that's what I love about the parenting is that I have that, um, that ability to contribute in a different way. That's beautiful. It's really well said. I appreciate that. Did he have the, did, you would have got the, him doing the, uh, in the background as well. Yeah. It, it makes it even better. This is all, this is what it's, <laughs> it's about, really isn't legit. it? It's the blend. It is authentic. Yeah. It's the blend. Yeah. Little thank champion. you for that terminology. And I really um, also appreciate with our talk, I'm definitely going to take away that questioning, that self-questioning. Is that for, is this for parenting Ava or is this for parenting Rob? Or am I parenting my inner child? Because I'm looking forward to seeing what that brings up. No worries at all. I think we've got, got a heap more to, to dive into. So I'm, I'm really keen to, to get you back on soon as well. And um, yeah, well, thank you again so. from the bottom of my heart for making the time. I know, Right now, it's quite crazy for everyone in terms of yeah. their lives and, and the change. And I, and, I love what, and I love what you're doing with Lead and Inspire, and I think that'll be cool to jump into next time as well. And yeah, yeah thank awesome you. to meet little Rob as well. And, and thank yeah. you again for making the, making the time to, to chat with me today on Sandy Ball Parenting. Oh, thanks for having me, Sean. I look forward sure. to our future chats as well. Definitely. Speak with you soon. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah, talk soon. Bye. Thank you for listening. Personally, these interviews are providing me a time to reflect on my week as a parent. Let me know if anything stood out for you during the chat. As a new pod on the block, yes, dad jokes are welcome here. It would be great if you could look out for us and share this episode with someone that you think may be interested. While you're at it, why not head to our socials and show some love with a like, follow or comment. Keep an eye out for the next pod drop. Big thanks to Steelo Media for producing this piece of art we call Sounding Board Parenting. From my heart to yours, I hope you're making progress on something you love and something that makes you feel alive. Remember, this can go anywhere. <laughs>